Hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Hey everybody. On today's episode, we have leaving your stagnant life behind, surviving basic training, and flying the plane while feeling the G's. This is Obstacle Course. Here we go. So this episode, this is Karina. Karina was interesting because I had known Karina probably five years ago. We had spent some time together. And then we kind of moved on and I hadn't seen her in a while. What do you mean by that? Were you in a relationship? No. Yeah. On Facebook? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just were kind of mutual friends, a couple friends, you know, good old, let's get the couples together and do couple things, which is basically just drinking wine and goofing off, playing uh, Cards Against Humanity. Okay. Yeah. I remember a nice night doing that and I spilled wine all over her floor Mm. and it was white carpet. Red wine? Yeah. Red wine, white carpet. And um, it turns out the best way to clean up wine off the carpet is not to furiously scrub with a towel. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, made it worse, and the wine I don't <laughs> think ever came out. So I, was this? Did this mark the end of your relationship? Uh, for about f- three or four years. Yeah. yeah, she said it was fine, but then uh, she just went dark for three or four years. So to prepare for this interview, I had to go on her Facebook page, mm-hmm. which seems okay, but but I really I really felt you know, a bit creepy because I spent the morning kind of going over the last year and a half of her posts, reading every one. Yeah. And I proceeded to tell her that on the podcast, which you'll hear. And the reaction was what you might think it would be. Yeah. Words creepy were said. Yeah. Yeah. It is. We are in an interesting time now when we are encouraged and there's almost social pressures to share things on your, on your social media, on your Facebook, on your Mm -hmm. Instagram. But then when people look at it and react to it and bring it up, you get a little bit taken aback by it. What are you doing reading my shit that I just posted for your reading pleasure? Yeah, I posted (laughs) out to the world that anyone, especially if your security settings aren't strong, anyone can have a look at. And you were friends on Facebook and you know each other. So it wasn't really an invasion, but it it still caused a bit of a a nervous or uh, surprised reaction. And what has caused us to since reflect on this whole phenomenon of social media and think the philosophical, the philosophical. Yeah, I'll go with that. It almost <laughs> sounds like a falafel, but the <laughs> tasty falafel, it is lunchtime. Philosophy. But yeah. The, the philosophical uh, social experiment of let's imagine that somebody took an hour out of their day and read all your social media posts for the last year. Would you be thrilled with that news? Or would you be embarrassed? Or would you think, oh God, what did I say? And if that is the reaction that you feel, perhaps that will influence your future posts. Mm-hmm. And that's what it made me think of. And I've since deleted a bunch of... <laughs> <laughs> well, and you mm-hmm. are a, a person who is quite open on social media, which I am not. Actually, yeah. I, I... No, you're not. I don't use social media very much. No. I don't... Uh, I'm not on it. I'm not one of the people who like never posts, but is looking at other posts all the time. I just don't really... I don't have the app on my phone. Yeah. I I rarely use it. Sometimes I communicate with people if they send me messages over there, but I'm like, why don't you just send me a text? Yeah, for sure. But you are someone who is yeah, pretty is, open. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and vulnerable and mm-hmm. you you on uh, I I saw one recently because yours do pop up for me cuz all the time. Well, you know, I, I like to know <laughs> what you're doing. Um I I'm maybe contradicting myself just now, but Yeah. Um there was the the mental health bell let's talk yeah thing that came up and you were talked about my just struggle with anxiety at times and yeah yeah and i i commend that but then i would pose the question to you how how would it feel if someone was like hey i've i've just spent the last couple hours reading everything you posted how would that feel i feel fine i'd be like well that's the point i miss you know it'd be weird if they actually said you know i spent two hours straight just sitting there with my cup of coffee and my you know, creepy pajamas and just like reading your posts. But, you know, I had to prepare for, for Karina, but, but yeah, but it just made me reflect though. Like what if you did do it in one set, one sitting like that, what kind of story would develop in your mind for this person? And what kind of story are we telling, you know, the public and ourselves? It just made me think, eh, maybe I'll, I will think a bit more before I post. Yeah. It, it makes me reflect on how different it is for, us to sit and have a conversation with Karina, which we have recently done. And she was very open and, and mm-hmm. vulnerable and, and spoke extremely well mm-hmm. and, but talked about some difficult things. Whereas if someone just said, Hey, I learned all this stuff from you 
through your social media. Right. Like someone like myself, who I'd never met her. But if I came up to her and said, hey, all those things that you said, I listened to and I want to ask you questions about, probably be like, ooh, that's, yeah, that's a little you? bit strange. Yeah, for sure. So just that disconnect that we see through social media and the difference in the actual in-person interactions, um, I think is, it just makes me want to continue to use more face-to-face communication and human connection than uh, kind of anonymous, yeah, very very rarely actual interactive communication on on the social networks. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we we had a nice conversation, which you'll hear, um, just about how sometimes people can read our social media and feel um, oddly insignificant or judged because you know sometimes we're just posting sort of the high moments from our life, and it can make it look like you know we're never having dark moments and we're never struggling and we're never doubting ourselves and failing. And as Karina will, will tell you in a second, um, she had many of those. So despite what her Facebook says, which is she's had an amazing year and she really has, she's had a very human year as well. And just experienced all the same human feelings that you experienced as well. And yeah. So yeah, that was, that was a, that was a good reflection time for me. Um, when she called me creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what we want to do here. We want to allow a little bit of introspection and often when you're not expecting it. So for sure, sit back and enjoy everyone. This is a, a really open personal episode with someone who's been through a recent dramatic transformation in their lives. And we hope it provides you a little bit of uplifting contemplation perhaps or some inspiration or just entertainment so thank you for being here and enjoy so karina welcome to the podcast thank you we're excited to have you here and i want to start just by talking about what you're doing uh, just two days ago i think it was yesterday actually <laughs> yesterday yeah i went up in a plane mm-hmm. little cessna from victoria airport it was really cool and uh, the pilot that I went with said, all right, take the controls. So I did and uh, got to turn the plane and pull some G's, which was made me just about throw up. It was awesome. <laughs> so pull some G's for people who don't understand what the hell that meant. Uh, <clears throat> what's that mean? Okay. Well, as you're turning, you're descending, especially if you're turning a lot. So you have to pull up the throttle and that puts your body weight against you so twice your body weight and wow it's incredible like uh, a tilt-a-whirl or something like that mm-hmm. it was a uh, pretty unreal and the views that we had it was a beautiful clear day and yeah I just had all the freedom to fly this plane up 2,500 feet above Victoria and no experience but I did it amazing now I might know the answer to this question already but when you finish that and you land the plane or or you might have given the controls back. I you, did. <laughs> okay. So when you give the controls back, were you like, whoa, that was intense. I don't want to do that again. Or is it like, I need that rush in my life on a regular basis? <laughs> <laughs> well, when we were up there and he did the first turn and pulled the G's, I was like, I don't think I can do this. I'm going to get sick. But then when I did it, I was like, yeah, this is definitely something I want to do. Mm. So maybe just when you had more control, you felt a little more at ease or? Once we'd been in and I didn't feel like we were going to crash, but I wasn't sure how sturdy this thing was. Okay, well, if I touch the control, are we just going to plummet? But once I was like, okay, yeah, I've, you know, it's pretty secure and we've got all this space to react and it felt pretty good. Then, yeah, it was like, okay, I'm a little bit more comfortable and. So, I mean, this is crazy. So you're up in a plane, you're pulling G's, as you say, but rewind about a year ago. And I mean, your life looked very different. So I did something this morning. I woke up early as I normally do, but what I don't normally do is creep your Facebook page. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> and I did. I, I read every post you made for the last probably year and a half. Right. And thankfully you don't post as much as like, you know, I do or my daughter <laughs> yeah, I was say. it would have taken like three hours, but, um, I got a, kind of a bit of a sense of sort of your journey in a, in a bit of a way. And so I'm, I'm really excited for you to fill in the details. But one thing I noticed was you made a post about December of must've been 2017 
And it was just basically, <laughs> you're like, what did I say? <laughs> was I drunk? You know, no, you were, um, you were just saying, hey, you know, about to enjoy some nice Christmas time, you know, with the family. It's going to be great. That and sounds then, exactly like me. Something like that. But then um, you didn't post until March. And so basically, you know, January and February of 2018, exactly a year ago, you were, you went dark. And then all of a sudden in March, your first post was, you probably remember what it was. I don't actually. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you were nodding, but you're like, tell me, <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Uh, basically that's when you announced that you joined search and rescue. Right. So what it made me think of is maybe there's a story there. Maybe like you went dark for a couple months and you're doing some soul searching or some thinking or some reevaluating. And then all of a sudden you came out in March and you're like, I'm joining search and rescue, which, which is a huge leap uh, of sorts to do. And so take us through kind of December to March and what launched that idea. All right. Well, I remember. Um, so I was dating this guy. He was everything to me. And out of nowhere, we broke up and I was pretty devastated. Mm. And it it hit me so hard. And I, yeah, I just, I didn't want to look on Facebook. I didn't want to post anything. And I, I really took that time to just kind of hibernate and then get my myself together and to get into things that I enjoyed again and I had applied for search and rescue shortly after we broke up in December and wham 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 things just started happening they accepted my application they asked me to come out I met up with uh, a mentor and uh, in January we started and then I think yeah March was probably the camp out I I don't remember but Mm -hmm. I just, uh, yeah, I went through a lot of soul searching and, uh, kind of kept it to myself for a while. It's really creepy that you creeped my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like to be prepared. But, but it's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. And, uh, some people did comment to me like, where have you been? Where have you been? And I haven't been super, like, I don't post every day. It's no, no, you when, don't. When yeah. I've got things to say or... Mm -hmm. I've done something cool, which is more often nowadays, but yeah, I just, I hid, I did, I didn't have anything positive to say. I went through a time where mm -hmm. it, uh, it was hard to just get out of bed. Right. I'm not the kind of person to post negative things and, oh, life is so blah or whatever. And I do, I only post the good things, but there are a lot of good things right now, mm -hmm. but for everyone there can be times and there was a time about a year ago where yeah I went dark I just I was off the radar and didn't have anything good to say so I didn't and you know did a lot of soul searching and hiding out and healing and I got accepted into search and rescue and started doing that and made some really great connections, good friends and did some amazing hikes and just gave some of my time to help other people, which was pretty, pretty cool. And yeah, life changed. It just, it took some time. I just lived day to day and next thing you know, things were great again. And in terms of the soul searching and healing, could you explain for someone who might be in that process and, and might be struggling with it, can you explain how that looked at all for you, if you recall? Like, what, what did you use to heal? What was the process like for that? Oh, well, there was a lot of crying and mm -hmm. um, talking. I, like I said, I have some really close friends and family that I can talk to about everything and I can tell them the dark stuff of, you know, this is how I'm feeling. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to live today. I don't want to, you know, go to work or whatever it was. And I had a lot of support, but you know, um, it took a lot of strength to just, okay, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to get dressed. Okay. I'm going to go for a walk even though everything hurts, my heart hurts, my body hurts, whatever. And 
I'm going to get some fresh air and oh, okay, well that, that felt pretty good. So I'm going to do that again tomorrow. So it was just taking care of my, my body, um, really being able to talk. I did, I saw a counselor regularly and that was pretty beneficial as well, but just talking and, uh, I found laughter, you know, it took a long time, but you know, I'd go out. I remember New Year's, I went out and it was okay. I was having a good time. We were laughing and having a great time. And then midnight struck and it, it hit me hard that I was alone. And, and that was really hard. But the next day I got up and okay, I can do this. I, I knew that I could make it on my own. And I was never alone, even though I was on my own. And that was really powerful to know that I had people rooting for me. I, I've always had, and everyone does. I just could see it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Did you have, uh, was there kind of a plan involved in, in taking the next steps? Cause you, you knew you had applied for the search and rescue. Was there, did you kind of set out, okay, I'm going to take X amount of time for healing and just kind of like finding myself or, or giving myself that, that opportunity, or was it kind of just take it day by day? No, there was no plan. I, I'm the kind of person that I set out to do something and I want it right now. And I want it to be better right now. And every day when I woke up and I had a dark thought or didn't have a good day, it was like, okay, no, I want it right now. I want to be better. I want to be doing things. So there was no plan of, okay, I'm going to give myself this much time. Um, I was frustrated that, you know, it was February and I was still feeling down. And by March, uh, I I don't know what changed. I guess I just had enough time to accept things and enough time to to heal. And uh, maybe it was an outlook on life that, okay, well, you know, I've got this to look forward to and I'm doing this. And I think distracting myself with search and rescue and and going out with all these people doing like-minded things, you know, we're all hiking, searching for someone who's missing or just training. And, uh, we did the camp out overnight where you go and you've got a tarp and a backpack and you have to set it up and sleep out in the woods overnight in March. And it was cold. Oh my goodness. It was so cold, but you know, you're sleeping by yourself, even though there's people everywhere, just you can't see them or hear them. And to do that, it was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool, pretty powerful that I was alone, even though not technically, mm-hmm. and uh, I got through it. And okay, so all I need is what's on my back. All I need is myself, but I have more. It's an incredible feeling to yeah. be out in the wilderness and, and be self-sufficient for survival. I, I, I love it. And just, Did you love it the next morning though, Andrew? So Andrew, <laughs> ju- Andrew just did this. <laughs> not not to the same degree, but yeah, yeah. I, I spent a night outside in January a couple weeks ago. Yeah, um, and it was cold. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, you wake up the next day, and you're like, yeah, I I can do that now. I know mm-hmm. that I can sleep outside in January, and 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 hopefully I'll do it again in February and then March. And that's one of my goals for this year is to spend a night outside every month of the year, pushing myself a little bit. But this isn't about me. So what I'm uh, I'm curious, just as a reference point, uh, what what was your job situation like before search and rescue and then why did you choose search and rescue in particular i was a secretary for a union i would go in nine to three or nine to four i don't remember and it was the same every day i was totally overqualified with i have a physics and math degree and totally under challenged i i hated it i was bored out of my mind that you know, I could sit there and type out letters, answer emails, phone calls, and there was no challenge. It was monotonous. And I knew that I needed more and I had things coming up, but I just didn't know when they were going to change. And years ago, uh, in, I don't know, 10 years ago, I was in search and rescue in Nanaimo for a very short time. But, um, the guy that I was seeing then you'll notice a trend he didn't want me to be in it he was jealous he couldn't stand it so I quit and my parents were really disappointed that I let someone else have that control over me and me too and so when I changed cities it was something that 
I had missed and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to see if they need someone. And I mean, I just, I love being outside. I volunteer or I did, I've taken a bit of a break, but volunteer with Kin Canada. So volunteering is something that's important to me, helping others, just making a difference for other people. Sorry, what is Kin Canada? It's a Canadian organization, uh, Kinsmen, Canets. Uh, they raise money to find cures for cystic fibrosis, ALS, um, all sorts of MS, I guess, other things. Uh, raise money for families that don't have things. Um, Once again, it's a very others-focused organization, another trend in your life. Yeah, yeah, and... You know, when I joined Kin, so we're going to bounce around a bit, mm-hmm. but I joined Kin in 2015 or 2016, I don't remember, and it was a, at a point in my life where it was a really awful point in my life. I was in this really toxic relationship. It was abusive. I was really unhappy, and it wasn't going anywhere. And somebody said, hey, come out to a meeting. And I, you know, wasn't really, I'm using air quotes, but allowed to do things to have friends outside of that. And I went to this meeting and I thought, oh, okay, there's other ladies here and maybe I'll have some friends. Maybe this is some sort of freedom that I can get. And I started going and it gave me the power, the I had just found a strength in me and within six months I ended that relationship and got out completely and um, volunteering changed my life so even though it's supposed to be selfless it was a selfish thing at the time and it it's given me so much so yeah you know we raise money for other families and causes and do all these events to help other people but I got so much out of it and it helped me heal it helped me uh, meet people and I felt like it was bigger than me and it gave me a lot it's interesting hearing that and then reflecting back on that dark time a year ago where you were very alone right you weren't involved um, you weren't involved in those organizations volunteering as much maybe. And so do, do you think do you think that played into it? So actually last year I was still really involved in KIN and, okay. and okay. it was really helpful. I had people mm, reaching okay. out and checking in on me and um, I was doing things. I just, I struggled internally. But the mm-hmm. two years, three years ago or whatever when I was in that, really unhealthy relationship um I didn't have kin and Mm. so I was depressed I guess at both points and so the the one two or three years ago when I didn't have that yeah that made a big difference but to have it I think maybe that's why I came out so much stronger this time is because I had all of these connections all of these reasons all of these things and you know, to go out and I, oh, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to help people. I don't want to do this. And I went out and did it anyways, because, you know, I put my name down. I had to, that's the way I live my life. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I went out and did it. And then I felt like, okay, you know, my life is not that bad. Look at these people who have nothing. They don't have a home or they don't have food or they don't have money to, you know, put diapers on their children or whatever. And, and I helped them and it not only could I reflect that my life is quite different and okay, I need to buckle up here, but also just to have that giving was, I don't know the word for it, but, uh, mm-hmm. really therapeutic yeah. to be able to give back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, totally different times in my life of depression. And I think, yeah, I've been there a few times, but this past one a, a year ago um it it was nothing like it could have been had i not had mm-hmm. these organizations right. volunteering other yeah. things going on in my life and other commitments it, it's a really profound insight that uh when in need of healing you do so by giving 
I think it's it's worth uh, worth a little bit of reiteration that when when you were in some of your darkest times, the way up out of them was by volunteering, having that community, and and being able to better others' lives. Well, and also the power of just not feeling like doing it, but just going back to the simple of I'm just going to get out of bed anyways. I'm just going to go for this walk anyways. I'm just going to eat this salad because I know it's the right thing to do. I mean, it's these little things that are massive because they build the snowball of positive momentum in your life. And then in March, you're like, I'm doing search and rescue. I mean, it's real now. And that's that's huge. I mean, it can seem like a huge leap, but it had been building for a while. So I don't think it was maybe as huge as it seems. Um, and, and you've always been someone who likes challenge, right? I knew you years ago. You were doing Tough Mudder. Remember that? I mean, yep. a lot of people don't do Tough Mudder. I've done that a number of times and it's not for the faint of heart. And so you've always had that sort of um, longing for challenge and longing for community and to make a difference. And so I think when those two things are, are big in your life, you, you you just come alive. And so now 2018 was a year of coming alive, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. When you say that... Uh, I, I strive for challenges or I live for it. And, and I think that kind of boils down to having this mundane life, you know, like not being happy in my relationship and going to work every day at this job that I just sat around and I didn't feel stimulated or challenged. So I needed to find that somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, so it, it became this thing and it's kind of taken over my life. And it's not that I'm you know, living on the wild side and, oh, what's my next adventure? But it kind of is, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us more about the start of, of 2018. And, and you you talked about spending the night outside in the woods. What what else uh, took place with the, with the training for search and rescue? And The very first day of search and rescue, I met this fellow. And uh, the next day we went on a hike together and he ended up getting injured pretty badly and we had to call or I had to call search and rescue and I had to leave him he was down at the bottom of this cave actually but I had no cell reception so I had to run out for about a kilometer probably just over a kilometer make the call I kept losing 911 and I'm hanging over the edge of a cliff with my phone trying to get bars and search and rescue came I had some text communication with them and it was a nine hour day I think and I was just freezing up on that mountain and I I remember that and it was really cool to see this organization that I didn't know many of them yet but they drove up on their ATVs and they came together carried him down the mountain all the way down and it was rough and rocky and awful and they got him into the ambulance and took them off it was pretty crazy that's crazy so you're volunteering for an organization that you ended up calling later on saying hi this is karina yeah i saw you last tuesday um so here's the thing (laughs) i am in need of you yeah this is not a this is not a drill yeah (laughs) yeah i i didn't know at that point because i left him and they said we need you to stay on the side of this cliff so that we can call you or text you and figure out where you are because even though I sent my Latin long coordinates, they couldn't find me. So I left him for hours and this group of five people came and I said, uh, you know, so very calmly because I didn't want to freak them out. Uh, I kind of left my friend. He's at the bottom of a cave. I don't know if he's alive, but I have to stay here. And they went and found him. Thank goodness. So wow. they stayed with him, but I didn't know. They didn't come back and find me. Right. What what kind of condition? Did he take a fall? What, what exactly yeah. happened there? Yeah, he fell, and I don't know. It was probably 10 feet or maybe more down, just straight mm-hmm. down this cave or mine shaft. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, I probably shouldn't talk about the actual specifics, but yeah, sure, no for, for his privacy. But yeah. Um, yeah, no problem. Yeah. So then you stayed with Search and Rescue, and then another transition was coming. Do you want to? Start uh, start us down the road towards that. Well, before that, she repelled down a big building <laughs> for charity. Yeah, with you though, right? No, I I pulled out at the last second. Did you actually? Not because I was scared, Andrew. <laughs> Stop judging me. No, I was stupid. I decided to, it was in May, which is like I don't can't even come up for air in May because of landscaping season. So I had to pull out. But you did it, and I saw the video. Yes. Um, when I creeped you. <laughs> 
and that was cool, right? Because it combined your two passions, doing something for, you know, a worthwhile organization and risk. Yes. It, you know, somebody said, hey, there's this challenge. You can raise money for Make-A-Wish Foundation and repelled on the side of a building. And I said, oh, sign me up. So that day I went and signed up yeah. and uh, I kept posting and asking people and raise the money. And when it came time, the people that were there, some of them were really scared. And I was just so jacked up on adrenaline. I was so excited. And they they were amazing. They train you this is what you do and they get you dressed and there's all these safety checks and so you go up on the very top of the building and you're hanging from the suspension and they're teaching you okay well here's your break and here's what you do and then you wait your turn and you go and hook in and you know I'm standing on the edge of the building and I look around and oh my goodness it's awesome okay now you want me to do what yeah (laughs) yeah, for sure stick your butt out and go (laughs) Oh, okay. But yeah. it, it was amazing. And I made sure to stop several times down the way and, and look around and really take in my surroundings, which is something mm. that I do struggle with is to stop and enjoy the moment and not just rush to get it done and like, okay, what's next? No, I need to enjoy that moment and, and feel it. And they were playing the song for me that I requested, which was, it was just so cool and have all these people down on the ground looking up, cheering it. It was awesome. Well, and it's coming up again. So if that sounds like something you would like to do, listeners, you should you should go to Make-A-Wish Foundation Victoria. And uh, it's a great cause and a ton of fun and totally safe. It is. It's, you know. it's amazing. How many stories was the building and what was the song that you requested? <laughs> I think it was 30 stories, which it's hard to know what that looks like. Hi. Not... Well, it is, but it was actually... When I got to the bottom, I thought, oh, I wish it was longer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I had playing uh, Cheerleader by Omni. Yeah. It's yeah. a really fun, upbeat song. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Great. In the editing process, we'll put in a couple bars right at that moment so you can, <laughs> so you can hear. No, I think this was a CIBC building downtown Victoria. Yes. Correct? Yeah. And I believe they do it in other parts of Canada as well. Mm-hmm. In Vancouver, they have one, and I think... I remember it being taller at maybe 50 stories. So that one's in August. I would love to do it. I might. We'll see. Exciting. Well, and Andrew, I don't think you even know this, but another thing she did last year, which I just remembered, and so I wanted to bring it up, but most people have fears of heights, which you nailed, and then a lot of people have fear of um, you know, being in unsafe places and having to help people in those spaces, which you did, and then people are really scared of public speaking. And Karina did Toastmasters and she did not just do Toastmasters. She ended up becoming so successful. She, she traveled around the country winning competitions with her speeches. Is that right? This is true. I did not make that up. Sweet. You did not. Yeah. So yeah. How, just kind of briefly talk about why you chose to get into that and, and you know, were, was it a fear you had to overcome or was it just something you wanted to improve or? It was a fear. Okay. Yes. Um, I joined for selfish reasons. I started this network marketing company and doing cold calls, I was freaking out. Mm -hmm. And these are people that I'm confident and friendly with. And yeah, I was freaking out. So I went to a meeting and the very first one, I just sat there quietly and it came time for table topics, which is a one minute spontaneous speech. And they asked me to go up. And I just refused. I sat there shaking my head. No, no, I'm not getting out of my seat. Don't, don't don't look at me. And I signed up and became a member and went back the next meeting. And okay, no, I'm going to get up there and do it. Like, why didn't I get up? And I beat myself up for it. And it took week after week of, okay, 20 seconds. Nope, that's all I got. And just stumbling and being horrible. I was a horrible speaker and I was so nervous. And then I had to give my introduction speech of hey this is who I am which is super easy you talk about yourself and you might be nervous but this is who I am four minutes and it just got easier and easier and I really enjoyed it and embraced the challenge of okay well I'm still not good and one of the things I remember thinking when you asked me to come here today was I'm still not very good at table topics I'm not good at speaking off the cuff I need to prepare things but 
it's a little easier when you're talking about yourself. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, I did uh, quite a few challenges with Kinsmen. They actually have a public speaking contest once a year, and uh, I won that and went to nationals and did really well there. This was a prepared topic then that you were speaking about. Yes. Do you want to tell us just, uh, you don't have to use the whole speech, but uh, what, what was the topic uh, that you were focusing on? The one that I did the best with and went the furthest was overcoming this toxic relationship, actually. Mm-hmm. And the things that I needed, which were kinsmen, they were there for me and helped me through it. And, and I talked about it and how, you know, at one point I didn't want to live. I, I was done. And I had all these amazing people that helped me through it and just what we've been talking about getting up every day and so it was a pretty powerful speech and to be that raw on a stage and telling all these strangers that hey you know this is what I've been through and reach out to people and say hey how are you and have those conversations and if you see somebody down you might be that person that helps them get up the next morning and uh yeah, I had a lot of people come up to me when I got off the stage and just cry with me and, and tell me how, you know, they had been through that or they had been divorced or they had whatever and uh, how I inspired them again to maybe help someone else. Amazing. And do you think you would have been able to do all of this without going through those painful trials? And, you know, you, you said at one point you felt like you, you didn't want to live anymore. Um, do you feel like that, looking back, those were instrumental in getting you to this great breakout year? Oh, my goodness. If I hadn't been through everything that I had, no, I wouldn't be here in this place. It it took all the adversity and all the challenges to get to where I am and to really be grateful for that. And all of the the hardships, they made me stronger. And if I had gone through something like that, Five years ago, I wouldn't have been ready. But to have all these little challenges and get bigger and bigger and finally slap me in the face that, okay, this is the one that you need to get through. And I did. And it, I mean, if you walked into my life at that point in time and saw what I was going through, it, it was pretty rough. And you might not have thought I would make it out, but I did. And yeah, I just, I stuck with it and... Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> Something we talk about on the podcast is building the the habit of resilience. And I think this is just a, a perfect example of that um, because resilience is, is such a key trait in overcoming obstacles and, and getting through adversity and, and waking up in the morning and feeling like, I don't really want to do this today. And then getting up and making it happen and and going to Toastmasters and being like, oh, I feel sick. I don't want to be anywhere near the front of that room. And then it's a little less hard the next week. And, and then eventually you're at nationals. So I just want to applaud that, that mm-hmm. practice of resilience because it's truly inspiring. And it just shows that just taking that little step forward gets you to a, a really incredible place that you may never have thought you'd be able to go. Oh, and I, I never thought that I would be able to do half the stuff that we're talking about now. And I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, that, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and people haven't seen anything yet because, I mean, after all those things, you would think, I mean, I, you know, I, I've overcome all my fears. I mean, I can just coast now the rest of life. I've deserved it. I've earned it. But you're like, no, I think I need a bit more challenge in my <laughs> life. So sometime in the summer, I think you made a decision to do this amazing thing and and let's let's talk about that now what did, what did you decide to do well i'm not sure which thing you're talking about so if it's the uh jumping out of a plane oh yeah let's start with that <laughs> i forgot about that yeah yeah okay right. my dad has wanted to do that for years and he asked me to go with him so for his birthday or for christmas i don't remember which i gave it to him and um part of in kinsman was going out and creating this event and getting all of these donations and one of them was skydiving because that was something that we were both interested in so um skydiving 
Vancouver Island up in Qualicum, mm-hmm. they donated a skydive and uh, I bid on it and kept bidding and bidding <laughs> and got it. And so I gave that to my dad and the two of us went. And so he actually bought mine <laughs> and yeah, it was his idea. And I remember we're sitting in this tiny plane and I'm in the lap of my tandem skydiver and yeah. he's in the lap of his and we can hardly move and we're heading up and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm getting so scared, mm-hmm. so scared. And it comes time after what seemed like forever, it was probably 15 minutes of ascending and they opened the door and I thought, okay, well, it's happening now. I mean, <laughs> there's only one way down. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And which birthday was this for your dad? Uh, 63. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. A lot of 63-year-olds aren't thinking of jumping out of planes, right? I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. A lot of any-year-olds aren't thinking of jumping <laughs> yeah, out of planes, yeah, let alone... True. Uh, you true. know, it's... For those who like the adrenaline, it, it is super safe to go with a tandem instructor and so fun. It. I would go back. I wanted to go back up right away because it it happens so quickly you're free falling and you've got the wind in your face and your stomach is Mm -hmm. not in your body anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then you parachute and Mm -hmm. you just time stands still it 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 is really cool and you know i'm so thankful my dad did that with me Hmm. what were you about 10 15,000 feet up 10,000 yeah wow and and then you started thinking "Hmm, maybe i should fly the plane instead (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a perfect segue. Well, <clears throat> did we talk about flying already yesterday? I don't remember. We talked about that yeah. a little bit at the beginning. At yeah, the beginning. But if you if you just remembered something else you want to say, then go ahead. What 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 bridged you from from that moment to actually yesterday being the one at the controls? <laughs> In 2016, I thought about what I was going to do to change my life, and. Work-wise, you know, I'm not simulated. Uh, It was not physically demanding sitting at a desk. And I went through many times trying to figure out, okay, what can I do? I could be an accountant, but then I'm sitting at a desk again. No, you know, but I have to do something that's stimulating mentally. And it always came back to something structured. And I thought about the military. And I was in that horrible, toxic relationship where I wasn't allowed to join. And so the day that we broke up, I applied and that was 2016 and shortly after they said okay yeah come on down for your aptitude test I did that and they said oh wow you did really well um all the jobs that you've applied for are taken for this year so you can either wait until the spring or you can choose something else and I had applied for the navy actually Mm. but I said okay well I just found out both my granddads were in the air force could I do that? And they said, yes. What do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. How about a pilot? <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is how it went. <laughs> As one says. <laughs> and they said, well, it's a really long process, super high failure rate. And I said, sign me up. Perfect. <laughs> so they did that. Um, sent me off in October, 2016 for air crew selection, all these tests. And I was there with all of these young people some of them still in high school and they were talking this has been my dream my entire life my parents are all in the military or i want to be a jet pilot and i'm like oh yeah i just decided last week (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know there were 16 of us and only four of us passed and all these people that this had been their dream their entire life didn't make it and i felt pretty awful but you know on cloud nine Mm -hmm and go through all of this medical and okay i'm ready and waiting and waiting and waiting it's just a really long process to get all of the you have to go and get an ecg on your heart and ultrasounds and all the stuff and and then just wait for availability and it was a two-year process of okay it's going to happen next month yep it's going to happen okay well it didn't and i started to really annoy them and i called them all the time okay so when do i go when do i go what's going on and they said okay it could be april or may so i started getting my house ready uh, to sell because okay well i'm not coming back to duncan ever and i gotta get rid of this house and uh finally the day came in june i believe it was and they said 
okay, you're in, you go in August, but you're going to be an AXO, an air control systems operator. And I'm like, oh no, but I want to pilot. That's my first choice. And they said, well, you might not get offered that. You might. So I decided to play the game and play hardball and say, well, you know, I could be an AXO later on in life but I'm going to hold out for pilots. So no, I'm going to turn down the job and it could be another two years, but I'm going to wait. And that must've been so hard for you. Cause you had been waiting to get accepted for so long. Yeah. Two years of waiting and not knowing and life was kind of on right. hold, but, and then you finally get an opening and you're like, no, I'm going to wait for a better opening. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, takes so much courage. Wow. Well, you know, if, if you want something bad enough, you've got to hold out for what you really want. I mean, why settle for something that's not your dream? And I think it was a week or two weeks or it wasn't very long. And they called and said, yeah, you want to be a pilot? You're in. Mm, Yeah. And so I was lucky because sometimes you get a week's notice, but I had a month and a half or two months notice. So I gave notice to my roommate and told my tenants, Hey, my house is going up for sale and bam, 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 bam everything just lined up and then I was off to basic training. Basic training. And that was the easy part, right? Yeah. I've heard that's <laughs> like you go to a resort of some sort, you do some, uh, some sit-ups. Well, it's in the word. It's basic, right? Yeah. Pretty basic. <laughs> I hope we're not offending anyone who's and it's been just to the training. Military. I mean, come on. Yeah. We're of course really soft and, uh, we're, we barely got here this morning cause it was <laughs> minus one out. A- absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Well, basic training, it's not like the movies. It's no. it's not like how it used to be either. Uh, they used to be able to do a lot more things to you, but now in this day and age, you know, they can't hit you and they can't force you to do things. And, you know, they can talk to you to make you... Can't verbally abuse you. Right, really. right. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's quite different, but it... It was hell. <laughs> yeah. It was really hard. It was three months of being on edge the whole time. Am I going to pass? And that was what was the hardest thing. It wasn't, hmm. oh, okay, I can't do this many push-ups because, you know, sometimes I couldn't. But it, it was all of the fear that they put into you of if you do this, if you do that, then you'll get swiped off course. Like if you have too many X's against you, you're right. gone. So it was constant fear of, I can't screw up. I can't do this. I can't do that. Or I have to pass all these tests. I have to do better. I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. And, you know, you're on lack of sleep and you're. So it was the pressure, not, not just the physical endurance, but the pressure to like, and if you don't do these to this level, you might not get through. Yeah. And that pressure would, would make it so much harder. The pressure, the fear of failure, they, yeah. they really ingrained it in you that if you fuck up this, if you don't do that, or yeah. if you fail any of these physical challenges, which, you know, luckily I didn't, mm-hmm. but they put this fear in you of, oh, this is so difficult and you've got to do all of these things. And if you don't do one of them, you're out. Oh, there's a few ways I'm sure we both want to go with this, but one question I have, would you consider it most physical, mental, or emotionally taxing going through basic training? Mentally and emotionally. Um, so you're ripped away from your family and your friends, and it was really, really tough to not have what I knew for my support to be there, even though I knew they were, they were there with me. And, you know, I had people sending letters and cards and that was amazing. But didn't you have to do like a hundred pushups in order to read the letters? I read that on a Facebook <laughs> post this morning. Was that true? It's 25 pushups per letter. What? <laughs> so, so you're really like, do I, do I really want to hear from this person? <laughs> there were times when I said, <laughs> no, I don't it? want the letter. I yeah, don't want I the letter. It's not worth it. <laughs> Can you talk about uh, some of the more memorable or grueling uh, physical exercises or days that you had we had to do some rucksack marches which is this really uncomfortable backpack it's not like a typical backpack it's got a metal frame and the backpack itself doesn't hold that much stuff but you have to put everything in there so you're cramming it in every place and there's probably about 80 pounds of stuff in there you're carrying water and boots and clothes and a sleeping bag and all the stuff that you need if you get stuck for 
however many days. And you have to carry this on your back and it's super uncomfortable. There's no chest strap and you're walking in all these issued boots and gear and you're hot and ugh, it was awful. And we had to do them many times around the base. And then we went off to the training camp and had to do one and it was eight kilometers. And in amongst the eight kilometers of ruck marching, you had to take off your rucksack do leopard crawls, so hands and knees on the ground, keeping your butt down as low as you can. And you have to go, I think it was 25 meters in under a minute and you had to do it or else you failed. And so there's that fear again. Mm-hmm. And then you had to drag someone so similar weight. And I remember I always got stuck with people that were heavier than me or maybe they just felt like they were heavier mm-hmm. than me and you're dragging them across the ground. And you know, that 25 meters, oh, it seemed like a hundred. But if you stopped to readjust, you failed. So you had to do it in one foul swoop. And it was really mm. difficult. And then we got to the, the shooting range and we had to, so your arms are tired. It's cold. I think during that time it was raining. Who knows? It was always raining in Farnham. Mm. And we pull out our rifles and we're shooting and you have to try and be accurate. And you have to get enough points or else you fail. So they just have this fear in you, but you're physically on the go. And the march itself, so you've got this 80-pound backpack on, and the captain or the warrant sets the pace, and they really wanted to push us. And some people had to run to keep up. And you're in pairs, so you've got 50 people in pairs in this one long line. And if anybody fell behind a little, then they would have to run to keep up. So then the people behind them would run to keep up. And if you were at the very back of the pack, you were running a lot because all these people were falling back and they wanted you to stay together. And yeah, running with a backpack in these boots in the cold or the heat or whatever it was, it was really difficult Mm. and mentally very challenging too. What did you learn about yourself through the process? Oh, I learned a lot. Uh, I learned that I'm stronger mentally, emotionally, physically than I thought I was. You know, I'm not, I don't have a six pack. I don't have these bulging muscles, but I, I can definitely pull my weight and I can definitely take care of myself. And I'm definitely strong enough to never give up. What was the feeling like when you knew that you had been successful? Oh my, I, I was in disbelief and I thought, you know, all of this time that seemed like a year or, you know, definitely more than three months, is it really over? And so I was kind of looking over my shoulder, like, is there another challenge that I am missing? But when I finally got to that realization that, nope, it's done, it's real, you passed, it was like all of the weight was gone and I could just kind of collapse for a little while. And I know that the challenge isn't over. I'm not a pilot yet. And that is my goal. So I have to keep going. I have to keep physical. I have to work hard. I have to do all of these things. Well, and I want to, and, and I'm striving to be the best me that I can. So, you know, it was elating to be done, but I know that it's not over, so I can't let that get to me yet. Where, where might that mindset of taking on challenges, where do you think that might have come from? Was that something that you learned growing up or was passed along or has, has developed through time? Wow, that's, that's a tough question. I, I don't think that it was something that I was taught. I don't think it was shown to me by someone else. I think it was just... Through all of the challenges that I've conquered, I look back and I think that is what made me who I am. That is the strength that I've found is by conquering a challenge after a challenge. So you got momentum from it, like challenge momentum. Yeah. Right. It gets easier, a little bit easier, but sometimes it's harder, but then you know, you have the character to deal with it yeah it doesn't matter what the challenge is whether it's public speaking or conquering basic training flying out of a plane Mm -hmm. um talking to a stranger whatever whatever it is and challenges are different for everyone it just i think that i think that the stagnancy of life 
really made it apparent to me that I needed more and that's probably where I got it from but I don't think it was taught or handed down or pointed out it was just through everything that I've been through and uh, that's when I found the most happiness or the most fulfilled was yeah I just conquered that wall or jumping out of that plane or doing that speech or whatever it was I conquered something and then maybe I'm an adrenaline seeker I don't know (laughs) that stagnant person that you were just describing if you were to go back and give that person one piece of advice knowing what you know now what would that be oh wow only one (laughs) two two if you'd really like to I would say so many things. Uh, I think start now. Do what makes you happy. Do what fulfills you. Um, Don't focus on the negative. Just rising up to the challenges that I didn't see. You're not stuck, you know, no matter what age you are. So if I was to go back to when I was 30 or 25 or you know, last year or whatever, it doesn't matter what age you are, you can always change your life and you can start a new career or take up a new hobby or start doing something physically demanding or volunteering or whatever. It, it doesn't matter what age, where you've come from, but yeah, I would just tell myself to like, get started now, focus on what you want because living day to day, for what someone else wants or what you think people want from you or what you think you should do. It doesn't matter what you should do. What 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 do you want to be remembered for? What, what makes you happy? Do those things. And mm-hmm. I think that would be the most important. I'm starting to do that now. Whereas when I was just complacent and okay, yeah, get up and make breakfast, go to work, come home. Wow, exciting life. Uh, yeah, I think, okay, we'll throw in some, some fun and some spontaneity and some challenges there. How do you think gender played a role in, in the journey that, that you've been through and, and being, uh, being in a place that I would assume at least historically was, was male dominated? It is. I was the only female to pass the air crew selection in my little group there. I was the only female pilot in my platoon. There were 15 pilots, which is a really high number, but they're really wanting pilots. There were a few, maybe one other female pilot. I don't know in another platoon. I'm not sure. Um, there, there just aren't. And in the military itself, we had 11 women pass in our platoon of, I think we ended up with 45 people overall so it's not a high number there was a my sister platoon had about a 60 40 ratio so they had a higher number of women but you know I've had a lot of support I've also had the naysayers uh I remember this one guy told him what I was doing it was just a guy in my office building and he said you're too fucking old to do that and then he I don't remember what he said exactly but I was like get out of my fucking office I was so mad and no way everybody else is supporting of me you know most people don't decide when they're 34 is when I decided to just change careers and join the military and yeah it is a little later in life but if I can do it why not and I did Mm -hmm. so I don't think it had necessarily to do with my uh, gender but age and my parents, when I first applied, they were so proud, so proud. They are so proud of me. Um, but they were worried that, okay, you know, you're going into like, people are going to have those comments, you know, sexual innuendos or maybe treat you a little different. And, you know, I'm ready for those. So far, I've been pretty lucky. They, they're they there because it's just human nature. They're, they are there in the military itself. Um, it's been really good. So so far, I've been in it for a couple of months now, but, uh, you know, just people that you meet on the street or whatever, it's, it's always there as a woman. I get them all the time and yeah, just 
put up with it or put a stop to it, whichever, uh, depending on what it may be. What role would you say naysayers play in, in your life in, in terms of, are they bringing you down a little bit? Are they ignored or are they part of that fuel to overcoming the challenge? If you were to ask me this question five years ago, uh, it would be a completely different answer. Five years ago, I would have let people dictate my life based on their thoughts and concerns and feelings and fears or whatever. But now um, I'm my own person and I'm in control and I won't let anything that anybody says dictate my life. So it is fuel for the fire, but it can also have a negative impact. Um, I can sometimes take it and think, hmm, maybe they're right. And it's pretty scary when that guy said, okay, yeah, you're too old. It, it actually, it bothered me a lot more than it should have, which is why I remember it. Um, because I thought maybe he was right. And uh, it ended up being fuel for the fire. So, you know, quite different than five years ago. But still, I think I take what people say and if it's pertinent, if it's relevant... If it's like, okay, you know what? You might have a point, then I'll think about it. But if it's just, oh, you can't do this because you're a woman or because you're this old or because you're not in good enough shape or whatever, oh, fuck you. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to prove you wrong. Awesome. Which is, yeah, what I did. Now, I know we're about to wrap up fairly soon here. I just have one more question. And John, you might as well. Looking back over that astounding five years, what are you most proud of? Oh my God. I have no idea. I, I think I'm proud of the person that I've become in the sense that I believe in myself, which is something that I see a lot of women in particular don't. You, you look to other people for the validation and, and I don't anymore. It's not that it's not nice or that it's not welcomed or, you know, I do need it sometimes, but just to believe that, hey, I'm good enough, um, I can do it and just, yeah, I'm I'm strong enough, I'm capable enough, I can take care of myself, I can go out and I can stay overnight by myself and be okay. I can do anything. I, I own my own house on my own. I don't need a guy to take care of me. I don't need anything i'm self-sufficient i i can do this but it's nice to have other people as well you know just just listening to your amazing story karina the thing that has stood out to me the most is what's really changed for you is just mindset Uh, you have said countless times i can do this nobody's going to tell me what to do you know you put whatever challenge you want in front of me i am going to overcome it And would you say that is probably the best piece of advice you could give those stagnant people that are listening or those people who feel like their life is a bit stagnant or they want a little bit more? Would you say um, changing mindset is one of the most important things they need to do? I think so. But not only, hey, believe in yourself and face your fears, you know, baby step at a time if you have to. Um, Find out what it is that you want to do and, okay, what is it going to take to get there and, and face them. But also really to get rid of the negative people in your life and the negative thoughts and really welcome all those people who will be supportive, whether, you know, you do it for selfish reasons and join a service club and you volunteer, or if you just stop answering texts and calls and messages from people that bring you down. I had one person who countless time you know I'm so proud of you but she would say all these things that would be really negative and really really awful and and it really brought me down and when I cut that sort of stuff out of my life that really enabled me and empowered me to focus on the things I needed to so I think both things are very important and maybe the negative people out of your life is more important than the mindset because then you have the time and ability to focus on that. Mm. Amazing. Very, very good. Well, 
we want to really just show our, our gratitude. You, you mentioned gratitude a couple of times, and that was uh, something big for you in, in reaching that next phase of your journey. Thank you very much for coming on and, and being vulnerable and open and, and talking very eloquently about how you came through a, a very dark period and, and now you're somewhere where you're proud of yourself and, and you've learned so much. So thanks. You're, you're soaring, literally. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's amazing. And uh, we, I can't wait to continue to creep your Facebook page <laughs> and see where you will continue to soar. So thanks. Please don't block me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I won't. But okay. I might... Uh, Perfect. Might have to creep you or something, which is really Recent creepy. I can't even do that now. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks so much, Karina. I know you got to get going. Um, so uh, you should probably let you go. Cool. Well, thank you. And to uh, anybody who listens to this, you know, just uh, have a little faith in yourself. Believe in yourself and uh, and challenge yourself every day. You know, if it means getting out of bed or getting dressed or if it means pushing yourself that extra five kilometers or reaching that extra step higher or whatever it is just just push yourself every day and believe in yourself thank you till next time cool <laughs> well done well that's the episode thanks so much for tuning in everyone we appreciate your time and attention if we can make one request please subscribe how do you do that, John? They push subscribe. That's all you got to do. We also got social media, guys. We got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Please like us and follow us there. We also got a really fancy website. ObstacleCoursePodcast.com. That is the one. Where you'll find our show notes and lots of other goodies. And if you have somebody who'd be great for the podcast, please let us know. Send us a message on any of those networks and we'll bring them on. Mm-hmm. For sure. We're always looking for good people. Thanks for listening. Keep pushing through those obstacles.